We've talked a lot this morning already about faith. And that's okay. Because I have a Bible that says the just shall live by faith. And that we shall live from faith to faith. That faith is a walk. Faith is our life. We've also talked about mountains this morning. So that seems to be part of our theme today, a mountain. I want to talk to you about a mountain in Joshua chapter 14. And I'll get to it in just a moment. Now, some of your Bibles, the more later translation, will call it hill country. Some of your older translations will call it a mountain. And for those of you who care, care to be uh, geologically correct, Hebron is sitting on about 3,000 feet elevation. So to address it as a mountain is perfectly logical. It's 4,500 feet above the Dead Sea. Now, that's a trivia fact that you can dazzle someone with when you're sitting at lunch. You can just say casually, did you know that that's 4,500 feet above the Dead Sea? So there you go. But first, and I wanted you to turn to Joshua chapter 14, but first I want to lay a little background for Joshua chapter 14. Now, in a room such as this, the size of crowd such as this, and this, this is not anything to make anybody feel bad because we all started with our Bible knowledge at some point. When I was saved in uh, 1957, yes, there was a year, 1957, and it, it, was, it was famous for chivalets and my salvation, just in case you're interested. <laughs> anyway, I even lost my train of thought. There, there it went. <laughs> but that'll happen to people of my age. Anyway, uh, I want to lay a little foundation, just biblical background, because I remember when I was first saved, uh, you know, somebody asked me to turn to the book of Jude. Uh, you know, four weeks later, I found it. But <laughs> it's hidden just before Revelation. It was, it was a trick, I know. But uh, let me lay a little background foundation for Joshua 14. Now, you're all familiar with the name Israel. You're all familiar with that there is a country at the end of the Mediterranean called Israel. That country always hasn't been there. If you go back to the time of Abraham, which predates centuries before Joshua 14, his name wasn't even Abraham at the time. It was Abram. It was later that he was called Abraham, the father of nations. If you read uh, Galatians, the father of nations, the father of faith, all of us are children of Abraham by faith, not by nationality, not by where we you know, grew up, but by faith. We're all one family, faith. You know, you can, I'm sidetracking now on purpose, you can knock yourself out trying to get people to like each other. The, the very simple answer is we're children of God by faith. We're all one family. End of story. So that was free. You know, there's no charge for that, okay? Just trying to solve the world's problem there in a moment. Uh, anyway, back 
in Abram's time, before he was Abraham, God promised him the land that we would now call Israel. That was God's commitment to him. In the 15th chapter, and I'm going to paraphrase, in the 15th chapter of Genesis, about the 16th verse, you can look it up for yourself, God basically said to Abram at that time, Abraham came in chapter 17, said to him at that time, this you know, this is your land, but it's not yet your land. Some things are going to transpire before this land is yours. In fact, God kind of highlighted the, 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 what's going to happen to them over the next several centuries, hinted to them that they were going to go into Egypt and they're going to be slaves in Egypt. So when we get to Joshua, we have already had God's promise that the land is going to belong to them. But we've also walked through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph in Egypt, Moses, Aaron. We've come through the desert. So now we're to Joshua. So that was a little Bible history in 30 seconds or less. But it's, it's good to have an understanding of how we got there. There's an interesting little side note here for us. There was a promise made to Abram, Abraham, that took several centuries for it to come to fruition. In the book of Acts, there's a man who ascended into heaven. And it was said, in like manner, he shall return. And the church world has waited for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as of this moment, he has not returned. That doesn't mean that he couldn't return before I finish today. And some of you are wanting him to. <laughs> My point is, Stay with the promise. If God says he is going to do thus and so, we live in a sitcom society where everything is solved in a half an hour or less. Stay with the promise. Live the promise. Christ is coming. Why didn't he show up today? The world is full of sin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe Peter has the answer. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Maybe God is waiting for as many as will receive the Lord as their Savior. You don't have to write God a note and tell him the world's full of sin. He knows that. That's why Jesus showed up. Live with, stay with the promise. That's, again, a side note. So there's two free things you got there this morning, okay? <laughs> so we have this history of a people that had a promise to them. And if you go to the book of Numbers, you don't have to. I'm just going to tell you what it says. Anyway, in 13 and 14, this is the first time this people who came out of Egypt encountered the promised land. 
They got to the border of the promised land, Numbers 13 and 14, and before that as well, also recapped in Deuteronomy chapter 1. They got to the border of this land. And then they'll remember, they have an admonition from God that this is going to be theirs and they're going to conquer it. And in a very real sense, they're going to bring God's judgment upon this land because it is so wicked. They have a commission from God. This is not a whimsical decision, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. This is a decision that God put before them that they were going to do thus and so. So they get to the land, and they send 12 people in, 12 men, to spy out the land, to check it out. So these 12 people, and you know this story. You, if, you've, if you went to Sunday school as a child, you know this story, but some of us didn't have that opportunity, so I'm going to tell you anyway. And besides, I got to kill 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story. They saw the land. They came back, and they said, the land is great. It's beautiful. The fruit, the man, the fruit is fantastic. But it's full of giants. Now, when the Bible says giants, as I said in the first service, don't think of Jack and the Beanstalk, fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman, you know, a a 75-foot tall guy. No, think of just big people, tall people. Several weeks ago, and I pointed this out in the first service, Pastor Dab had one of the teenagers go over and stand over there. Then he had Jeremy Young go stand beside him. And Jeremy Young, because the teenager was about 5'6", and and Jeremy Young is not 5'6". I think he's 10'8", but no, he's he's about about 6'6". So when the Bible talks about giants, they're talking about very tall people. You know, a whole room full of NBA centers, something like that. But anyway, so I'm not belittling or questioning Scripture. It's just what Scripture is saying. These were big people. They were fierce warriors. And these ten saw the fierce warriors, and they panicked. And they immediately wanted to go back to Egypt. Now, they had been delivered from Egypt. They'd been delivered from slavery. They'd been delivered from bad housing. They'd been delivered from everything that was negative in their life. But yet, when they were afraid, they were willing to go back to the pit. Two people, Caleb and Joshua, stood there and said, no, We have a commission, I'm paraphrasing now, but basically said, we have a commission from God to go into this land and take it in the name of the Lord. He has promised us this land. And God was disturbed. In fact, he was really disturbed with the people. And he said to them, paraphrasing again, Numbers 14, he said to them basically this, all right, you will not go into the land. You will return to the desert, and you will wander out there nearly 40 years. And everyone over the age of 20 will pass away in the desert. Only two people will not pass away, Joshua and Caleb. So here are some people. who had a promise, 
They walked away from it, and there were consequences. The consequences were to wander in the desert for almost 40 years and miss out on what God had for them, and they would never see it except for Caleb and Joshua. Let me read to you from the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Now, this is when they have come to the land now. They are actually in the land. They have come back to the land. You know the story of Jericho and the walls fall down all that. About seven years have passed. They've been conquering the land slowly as God's provision and plan was. But Caleb remembers something. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, the heart of the people melt. Pardon me, let me do that again. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I follow the Lord my God fully. If you read the life of Caleb, you will see that phrase over and over again. I followed the Lord fully. You want a secret for success? You want a secret for peace? Right there. I followed the Lord fully. That doesn't even take half a page to write that down. I should publish that and charge a dollar a copy. <laughs> I followed the Lord fully. Ninth verse. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Tenth verse. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses, the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going and coming in, for going out and coming in, let me correctly. Now then, give me this hill country or mountain, remember that, about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakin were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with, it, be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became inheritance of Caleb, the son of those guys, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel. And what's the word? Fully. 
So here's Caleb. At the age of 40, if you want to go back, he stood there and proclaimed with Joshua that they should go into the land. The response of that time was the people were so enthusiastic they wanted to stone him to death. So they have this almost 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. You probably have read the story of coming across the Jordan, of conquering of Jericho, of the conquest of the land. So we come now, which is roughly seven years later. And here's a man who is now 85 years old. And he is asking for what God promised him. You want an example of faith? Right there. Faith to forget the past. He followed the Lord fully. As they wandered in the desert, and some say the temperature out there would be up to 118 degrees. I wasn't there. I know I'm almost as old as Caleb, but still, I was not there, but I understand it was, you know, would be very hot out there. I would understand also, or I would think, that there would be sometimes people who might be murmuring and complaining because of that wandering around, this pointless, aimlessly wandering around watching people pass away. But yet, he maintained his faith. He maintained the principle by which he governed his life. He followed God, what's the word? Fully. He remembered the promise, not the panic. The past does not have to determine our future. Now, there are things in my past that have determined our future. I'm saying that the past does not necessarily have to determine our future. Because in the past, back to that year, 1957, that's the year I gave my heart to the Lord. That's the year I was filled with the Spirit. So that, that was something in the past that has definitely determined my future. Shortly after that time, I, I met this beautiful girl going to Life Bible College. But I was driving a Merck convertible. I was swift. I charmed her into riding with me. <laughs> what a dude. <laughs> I dazzled her. And guess what? She's been hanging out with me almost 59 years. <laughs> I knew I'd do something to make you applaud today. I just had to trigger what it was. <laughs> anyway, that determined my future. And so did she, by the way. But there may be something in your past that you're letting determine your future that you need to give to God. You need to dump it. Because I'll tell you something you probably know. The enemy loves to bring up something from the past and just keep whispering it to you, whispering it to you, whispering it to you. Anything to keep you from enjoying your life in Christ. Once in a while, something will come up, 
and it'll, the little voice will say, well, what about this? I can say it's under the blood, my friend. You're not my friend, but you're, it's, it's, it's under the blood. It's gone. It's done. It, I'm not, my life is not governed by that. My life is governed by my commitment to Christ. And if you're letting the past, something that's hounding you, govern your life, you are being robbed of what God has for you. Don't let that happen. I've been around long enough to see people who have something that's transpired in the past and they won't let loose of it. Maybe someone has wronged them. And by the way, folks, if you've lived as long as I have, and I'm not making a bragging statement, somebody will do something that's going to set you crossways. You will have some arrows in your back, perhaps. Now, you've got two choices. You can sit in the corner and sing your Somebody Done Me Wrong song with an off-tune guitar, or you can just give it to God and walk away from it. Because every minute you give to singing your Done Me Wrong song, you waste a precious minute in the presence of your God. Give it away. Well, Pastor Jim, they give it away. Give it away. If something has happened in your life you're not you're not too excited about, give it away. It's gone. You worship a God that wants to bless you and give you a life that is full and complete. Well, you mean, Pastor Jim, you've never suffered any hardship or disappointment? (laughs) Come on. But give it away. Don't, Don't harbor it. Some of us, bless our hearts, we treat it like it's our pet pig, and we just want to walk around with it. We want everybody to notice my pet pig. Pigs make good sausage. Just move on, would you please? <laughs> just just move on. Do not let the past, if it's something negative, form your future. Caleb had faith to face the facts. The facts were he was 40 when he, with the rest of those who caused the problem, had to wander in the desert for almost 40 years. But he kept the word of the Lord in his heart. He did not stay or stray from the promise that God made him. Even when he comes to Joshua, and says, give me the land. He knows that it's going to cost him something. It's going to cost him effort. It's going to cost him perspiration. As I said in the first service, we in Iowa say sweat. It's going to be effort. And I 
put my hand on my friend Jay's shoulder in the first service, and I'm going to do it again here. Jay is working on a college degree. And this, this, the knowledge to complete the task of the college degree just flows miraculously into his head as he's watching TV, as he's drinking iced tea on the porch. No, he stays up to one or two in the morning studying, reading, writing. He goes to work the next day and drinks 5,423 cups of coffee so he can stay away. <laughs> Now, this is personal, <laughs> but in other words, if you're going to accomplish something, there's going to be effort involved. You're going to break a sweat. Even though you are going toward what God has for you, you are going to break a sweat. You're going to work for it in many cases. Now, God's healing touch can come upon a person, bam, it's taken care of. In other instances, there's a goal in life, and we have to work our way toward it. Not that we're earning God's favor. We're just walking out what he's called us to do, and there's going to be some work in the process. Give me this mountain. I'm ready to fight. Now, as I said in the first service, early later in the service, by this I am not admonishing every guy who's in his 80s to go out and pick a fight. That's not the point here. We of mature age can sometimes be cantankerous all by ourselves. We don't need help. We need to watch that. <laughs> now, I can pick on old people because I are an old people. <laughs> but we can fight the good fight of faith. And that's what he was fighting. Yes, he said, I am physically able to do that. I am... I never have been and never will, obviously now won't be. I'm not the physical person that my son is. But there's nothing that says I can't be a man of faith. There's nothing that says I can't war as a man of faith. So Caleb reaches out to God, to Joshua, and says, I have a promise and I want that promise fulfilled, and I want to claim that promise, and I'm willing to work for that promise. Hebron, that area is very notable in the history of the nation of Israel. That's where Abraham and Sarah were buried. That's where Isaac and Rebekah were buried. That's where Jacob and Leah were buried. It's rich in the history of their of their calling. But he faced the future and the circumstances did not sway his vision. He asked for what was promised him, even though it may cause or mean adversity, a fight. It, his answer was not wrapped in a box with a pink bow. He had to go for it. Sometimes the prize is more important than the process. There was a process to get it, but it was worth it. 
It was worth it. Obviously, he could not do it without God. Let me give you a brief example in today's economy. Your pastor will be going to Ghana, and maybe some of you going with him later this year. And with how rapidly the year is going by, it probably will probably be tomorrow, but not literally. He's going to, see, to Ghana to the hospital in the establishment of a man named Seth Ablor. Years and years ago, Seth stood somewhere on that property with a man named Or Roberts. And Or Roberts said, I want you to claim this property and I want you to develop something, hospital, to honor God. He received no money from Mr. Roberts. But there is a magnificent hospital there. There is other facilities there that minister to countless people. There's the land. Possess it. You think that Seth did not have some perspiration from time to time? You think that there were not times when he was on his face before God seeking an answer to what God had given him? I don't want you to do something else. I want you to go back to the sixth verse when I read, because it said the men of Judah came with Caleb. Men with vision. Ladies with vision. Young men with vision. Young ladies with vision will always draw people to them. And those people that are drawn to them will capture that same vision and that same commitment. And the vision that God gave this person will become the vision and the task of many. What are you getting at, Pastor Jim? Okay, I'm his father. There's his mom. There's a man named Brian Davenport who stands here who has a vision for 10,000 saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Have we all captured that vision? Are we standing with that vision? Is that vision, is that task now become ours? Are we like those with Caleb ready to strap on whatever instruments we need to fight the battle to get there? Are we willing to sweat and to give and to pray and to weep if necessary to see it happen? Caleb was fully committed to God, and he brought people with him to accomplish what God had promised him years before. So where does that leave us? We need to capture the vision. If you haven't already, 
we need to move forward. I shared this in the first service, and I want to be careful how I share this. There's more to that vision. I was saying in the first service, I was just driving from point A to point B yesterday, and I noticed a couple people, and it was obvious to me that they were going to engage in something that probably wasn't going to be necessarily good for them. They were going to go somewhere that probably wasn't going to be beneficial to them. Although that was a lifestyle that they had endeavored or were endeavoring to follow, and they seemed to think they were having fun in it, when in reality they were probably going to do themselves harm. Now, I'm being vague because I understand we're being broadcast. I don't want anybody's feelings. But anyway, and I caught myself sitting in judgment on them, doctor. I looked at them and I thought, why? Oh. <gasps> self-righteous preacher, don't you, don't you know you're ruining your life? And man, it was like God just snapped me. He said, wait a minute. That's who I came for. That's who I came for. I didn't come for the self-righteous. I came for the sinner. I came for the person who needs Christ. I named for the per- came for the person who needs hope. I needed, came for the person who needs promise. I needed, came for the person who needs a future. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost for those who memorized in the King James. Anyway, I thought, and this is not new to you, but I just remind us, we could build multiple churches in this town and still would not reach everyone who needs to be reached. We can, never, we can never work from a scarcity mentality like, this is my church. These are, these are my 10,000 10, people. What about the other half a million that are out there? We need multiple churches with multiple congregations, big ones. Well, you got an ego, Jim. You need a big church. No, I need to see people knowing the Lord. If that's four churches of two million each or if that's four, four million churches of three each, I don't care. Just so there are people that know the Lord. So we have a vision in front of us. Caleb, I love him, 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was. I've got my sword. I'm ready to go. Anybody with me? Yeah, the men of Judah were with him. Are the men and women of heritage with the vision? Something we answer for ourselves. But we answer for ourselves by our actions we take. Faith promotes action. Faith does not promote lackadaisical attitudes. Faith promotes action. And there's multiple ways to do that. Some of us, 
I got two minutes. Some of us are financially able to do more than others, and that's no fault on either side. Once we start giving ourselves brownie points for how much we give, we're in deep trouble. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, pastor preached two weeks ago. (laughs) I don't have much, pastor. Well, can you pray? Yes, I can. Can you pray to see the vision accomplished? Because it's a vision for the glory of God. It's a vision for the glory of God. Now, Jay touched on this a minute ago. So, Jay, forgive me for borrowing from you. But I'm old enough to plagiarize, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Not You may have a mountain in your life. And Jay pointed this out a moment ago, and we prayed about it. But let me just say it again. The mountain in your life, it's the same, it's the same God. It's the same God who gave Caleb the ability and the desire. It's the same God who will speak to your mountain on your behalf. It's the same God. So if you've come today and there's something that is just big in your life and it's negative and it's pressing down on you, as Jay said, just give it to him. Give it away. You don't need it. It isn't doing you any good. Give it away. There are people in this church who are more than delighted to pray with you, to talk to you about it. We're here for you. But more importantly, God is here for you. Christ has come to conquer and to give us the power to be overcomers. Amen? May the Lord bless you and watch over. Would you stand with me, please? Father, a man named Caleb took God up on his word. Forty-five years after the first time he heard it. But he remembered. And he did what God would expect all of us to do. Take him at his word. Step up and claim what is promised to us. That is God's desire to give us what he promised. So, Lord, we we move to that end. We've We've seen a vision for what you would like to happen with Heritage Church in Vancouver. And, Lord, we commit ourselves to that end that we shall see it by the grace of God. And we won't mind sweating a bit on our own to get there because it's with you we walk. And Lord, there are people here who are facing issues in their life that are staggering. And Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Spirit, they may just accept what God has for them, the freedom that is theirs in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the time we've had together this morning. We bless each and every one to the end that their life may show forth Christ and that they may enjoy the fullness of the fellowship they have with the Son of God. 
the forgiveness that is theirs in Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Do not forget 6 o'clock this evening, okay? We'll see you tonight at 7.